Welcome back into the Royals Farm Report podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, joined as always by Alex Duvall. How are you doing, man? Joel, I'm doing well. Um, would have been doing a little bit better if the Royals hadn't figured out a way to blow another game in the in the late innings, but um, doing well. They just announced that our school district announced this weekend that we get to take our masks off at school tomorrow. So uh, when I show up to work tomorrow morning, I will not be wearing a mask for the first time since uh, well last March when uh, everything hit the fan. So um, finally got the vaccines rolled out. I'm all I got the got the juice in my veins, and I'll be headed to work uh, maskless tomorrow morning for the first time. Yeah, here in, here in Stillwater, we have mask mandates gone, so it's everything's getting back to a relative normal. I know uh, Over 8 Stadium here in Stillwater for Oklahoma State is back to full capacity. I know other stadiums and other you know around the area and around the country are starting to get back to that, too. So it's a welcome sight. It's exciting. We're going to have you know a summer with packed houses for baseball, which is uh, – you know, definitely welcome, especially in our, our line of work here. Joining us tonight is as the third man in the booth. I believe he's a three-time guest on the show now. Uh, Quad City's first baseman, uh, Vinny Pasquantino, currently leads the organization in home runs, and he has two stolen bases, which if you're an OG of this show, you know is uh, something new for him. So it's pretty exciting. How are you doing, man? I'm great. Thank you for having me back on. This is technically the third time that I've been on, but it's only the second time it'll be released that I've been on because the first time I believe you lost the file. Yeah, uh, file, file corrupted. Did. Yep. And that was pretty baby for you. So that's very exciting that now you have your child. He's here. Uh, before you, you didn't even know what it was like to be a father and now you're all up in fatherhood. So how exciting for everybody. Yeah, that, that I will say it's pretty fun. That kid loves himself some baseball. He's only like seven and a half months old, really doesn't know what's going on. But whenever it's on TV, that kid's locked in, man. It's pretty fun to watch. He'll uh, sit next to me and just sit, you know, completely fine and watch for a little while. And I know hopefully Alex's kid here in a couple of months is going to do the same thing. Yeah, I can't wait. I truly, I, so I probably won't get to take him to any games this fall because he'll be born in middle of August. And by the time, by the time he's old enough to go to a game, I think baseball season will be over. So next spring when baseball comes back around, we get the little guy out to his first game. Will be That'll be something that I obviously will probably never forget. Oh, no doubt about it. All right, let's do our, our normal down on the farm, you know, week that was. It's nice having at least having – as weird as it is having six-game series, we're talking about one series over the course of the full week, so it makes things a little bit easier to talk about. We'll start in Columbia. Uh, they are still in progress as we are recording, but they're down eight to five uh, in the eighth inning against Charleston Riverdogs. So it's either going to be, you know, Columbia comes back and takes series four to two, or it's another split for them, six and six or seven and five on the year. Alex, what are some of your thoughts about what you've seen uh, from the Fireflies this week? Brady McConnell's been really good. He's got, uh, he's hitting over 300 this week. Um, a couple doubles, smacked a grand slam over the batter's eye last night, which was just absolutely incredible. The just the immense power that he's got in his bat, and it's really, um, it's, it's a simple swing. And, and so, a lot of times with guys that that swing it like that, you're looking for your bat to ball skills, and Brady seems to have a pretty good handle of barrel control and then also delivering 420 foot bombs. So that was good to see from him. Um, obviously, we haven't seen a lot of these guys uh, since we didn't get a minor league season last year. But to see him have a really good week was fun. Diego Hernandez continues to play well down there. Michael Garcia started to look really good. There were a couple of injuries that I noticed. Daryl Collins was sliding in third base. And then when we, you know, have Vinny talk about his stolen bases, 
There's a good reason to not be stealing bases is Daryl Collins went slide into third. I don't know if he separated his shoulder, broke his collarbone, or just had a bruise, but they pulled him out of that game in some obvious discomfort. And then um, Tucker Bradley. Tucker Bradley got hit by a pitch the other night. I didn't actually see it, but he was pulled out of the game after that hit by pitch. So a couple injuries to some key outfielders for that team I'll be keeping an eye on. But Ben Hernandez looked good again. A.J. Block is absolutely ridiculous. Um, so really good week for the Columbia Fireflies, which may be my favorite mascot, second favorite mascot in all of minor league baseball. It's a really good one. I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to need to get some merch here pretty soon for him. Just, I love collecting weird minor league baseball team name, mascot, shirts, hats, all that. So that's definitely going to be on my list here soon. But I do want to talk about Kale Emshoff as well. He had a pretty solid week. His weighted runs created plus is up to 171. We're still dealing in pretty small sample sizes after only 12 games, but he's hitting the ball really well. He flipped the ball that you posted on Twitter that looked like it was just going to bleed in over the second baseman's head, but it damn near got out to dead center field for a triple uh, he's got it's a you know again a pretty simple swing but he inside inside out of that ball really well with some ridiculous power we haven't seen a home run yet and i wish he'd maybe walk a little more i don't think he has a walk this season but i really like what i'm seeing out of him as a catching prospect here yeah he's been really good behind the plate too uh kale's a kid that we had up on our ranking is a little bit higher than most people probably and a lot of that does come from his defensive ability behind the plate you know it's a little bit easier to to garner value at a premium defensive position like that. But even offensively, he is absolutely crushing baseballs. Um, he's had several doubles. I think he's got four doubles on the year, and two or three of them almost got out. And We mentioned that triple. So um, he's hitting the ball really hard. He's been fun to watch so far. Um, this past week specifically, he hit uh, four doubles in this. In, no, I'm sorry. Was this, was this last week? No. He had a, two doubles and a triple. Uh, in this past series against, I don't even know who they're playing. Who are they playing right now? Charleston. Charleston. So three extra base hits and four games against Charleston. So good to see him uh, off and running. Um, then that that uh, the backstop tandem they have down there with Omar Hernandez is a pretty talented group. Absolutely. Vinny, we'll, we'll go to you. I know you obviously weren't able to watch these guys over this week, and I'm sure you saw the box score and stuff, but when you played with these guys and, you know, instructs or extended spring or anything like that, what what have you? What are some of your thoughts on some of the guys that are playing for that team? Good ball players. Uh, <laughs> I don't really have much insight, and if I'm being completely honest, I wasn't really listening because um, I – <laughs> I, knew, I knew you guys have some questions for me here at some point. I knew you were going to go through a recap, so I kind of tuned out a little bit there. But what I do know is I heard a few names in there, boom of which I love, and they're all good ballplayers. So that's an unbelievably exciting group, a beautiful place to play baseball, and, you know, it'll be a good season for those guys. I love it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Vinny, for the, for the insight there. We'll move on to Quad Cities, and I will go. I'll start with you. You win five out of six against Cedar Rapids. Pretty solid week. You get a walk off on, on Saturday. Win today, three to two. Take, take us through the week, how things went for you guys. Uh, yeah, it was a good week for us. That's a really good ball club that we were able to, you know, beat in the series, and it wasn't like it was a bunch of blowouts and dominating wins. They were tough wins. Um, they were – there were ones that we really earned late in the games. So it was just a really exciting week for the guys, knowing that we can come back if we need to. Obviously, you'd prefer to take a big lead early and just be able to coast to a victory, but that's simply not the case when it comes to professional baseball. So 
it was just a good week for guys to figure some things out. I mean, I, I think most minor league baseball players will tell you this season has kind of smacked people in the face a little bit because over the past year, we haven't played any real games. So especially last week, opening week, there was a lot of nerves. Uh, I don't really know what was going on through the rest of minor league baseball, but I could tell between the two teams that, you know, between our team and the South Bend Cubs, I mean, there were some, there were some anxious guys on the ball field, just trying to, trying to uh, succeed. And, I think this week it calmed down a little bit with guys taking having better at bats and kind of relaxing. I know myself, it's you know it's taken me a while to just kind of relax in the box, but this week was un, unreal. I mean, it was a really good week. You know, it's hard to argue with winning five out of six. So we're going to try to keep those good vibes going. Now, winning cures all for the most part, especially early on in the season. You get the split last week. Against South Bend, you win five out of six here. Starting off the year right, seeing some really good performances from a, a both pitchers and hitters early on here. Alex, who, who were some guys that you really uh, caught your eye this week? Well, specifically, if we're going to start off with our guest, uh, Vinny obviously um, now leads the organization or the minor leagues, I guess, uh, in home runs of four. Uh, Vinny, what you got six hits in total this year, four of them have have left the yard so uh, it's been fun to been fun to watch a team that's been like you said been grinding through wins every now and then um you know pop a big fly that ball today ended up in the mississippi and i gotta think that by the time that ball is done traveling in new orleans from davenport to new orleans has to be the furthest home run ever hit in professional baseball i can't imagine anyone hitting one further than that yeah i mean if it if all it takes to hit a ball that far is just put it in the river and let it go, and that distance counts, I'm going to take that all day long. Uh, stack cast or whatever will just continue to go if that ball is in the river. It'll just keep going downstream, and it'll just, you know, somebody will pick it up down there at some point, and that'll be it. We'll know when uh, StatCast stops, stops recording it. <laughs> Denny, you play with a couple guys, a couple infielders that are really, really – I, I would describe them as being electric baseball players. Jason Guzman and Nate Eaton have all kinds of tools. They're flying around the field. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they both have like six, seven stolen bases or even more. I, I um, believe Nate has nine now. He does. Nate has nine stolen bases. Jason Guzman even missing a few games. I think he stole stolen bases five and six today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he had stolen base number five today. So you got Nate with nine, Jason Guzman with five and like four or five games. Um, how much fun is it to be the first baseman? So obviously a ground ball gets hit. You got to figure out your way to the bag real quick, but then to watch those guys work on a, on any given daily basis. Um, what, what's it like playing with two guys who, who really bring a lot of action to the table? Yeah. I mean, it's really exciting. Some of the plays that Nate specifically made this week were just unbelievable. A few diving plays, a play today where he just picked the ball out of nowhere at third. I mean, he was playing shortstop too. He just move over there and didn't miss a beat. Um, You know, that's what you got to do when, when things happen. So yeah, I just sit there and admire it. And I catch the balls when they throw them over there, uh, try to make them look as good as possible. That's, that's how I view my job over there at first is make everybody look good. So, and they make it real easy to do that. So it is really exciting uh, to be on the field with those guys. Nate and I actually played against each other growing up. So I've been watching that my entire life. So it's, 
if you would have asked 12 year old Nate and Vinny, if we would ever be friends playing on the same team, we would have completely said no to that, but it's exciting kind of, he's my roommate. So it's exciting seeing that, you know, I've been at my entire life. So I knew what to expect there. And, and Guzzi, I mean, he's just unbelievable just all around. I mean, watching him play is just really exciting. It's the first time I've shared the field with him. So again, I'm just trying to take it all in and enjoy my time out there with him. I, re- I remember writing about Nate Eaton. It was one of the first articles I wrote for Royals Farm. And he was, I can't remember his exact stats, but he was tearing it up in Idaho Falls. And I was like, that, this dude's got some tools, man. Like, it, this is a guy that could find his way to the big leagues just, you know, as a free. I mean, dude's a freak athlete, positional versatility, can roll the pole, like, just does everything that this organization likes and just feels like that. It's that he's that type of guy. So, I, you know, I'm rooting for his success, obviously, just like anybody. But just when you see that guy early and you're like, huh, I think this might work. And then it continues to work as he keeps moving up. It's pretty cool to see. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a few things that's working into our, our advantage with the stolen bases you guys were talking about is the new rule changes. Uh, that's a big thing. Uh, to step off the back. But what I think is even more important is how hard we work on a daily basis of stealing bases. I mean, we value stolen bases very big. So we're working on it every day. We come in, we're making everybody include. I mean, Catchers, slow guys. We work really hard, and it's a big focal point. Uh, so, you know, those guys are just taking that on stride, and they're figuring it out, and they're helping guys just watching them do it. Vinny, I, I don't, I don't know how much you guys talk about, you know, futures and, and getting to the big leagues, you know, on a daily basis, trying to win a ball game, but. I don't think Jason Guzman made his big league debut, but last year in the shortened season, they, you know, Jason gets put on the 40 man roster, second from the Rule 5 draft. And then I can't remember who it was got hurt, but Jason actually spent a few days in the big leagues, specifically in Cincinnati, I think. I don't honestly remember the details of all that, but he got to spend some time in the big leagues. Is there, is there ever a time when that comes up? You know, I, I'm, I'm not like Jason walks around bragging about it, but. You know, you know, picking his brain about things he saw and the minor details, or just you know, some things that he witnessed or went through in the big leagues that you know helps you guys, you know, keep keep the bigger picture in mind, or just picking his brain or anything like that. I think a little bit, and it's not like he around chest out or anything by any means. I mean, and he does his job, he does it well, and you know, that's who he is. But never has a that, oh, I was the last year or whatever. I remember guys in this team who were in camp and spent a lot of time there. So, you know, that guys have show for a few days. Um, they're definitely guys too, for sure, because you know, they've been there. They've been to big league camp. They've been in the show. You know, they've done this. They've done that. So, you know, I don't think it's anything necessarily talk about, but it's something that guys know. And with a guy who has been in the dugout of the city for a season game, it's, you know, it's, hey, are, are we close but that far away? Um, so it kind of does put it in perspective. This kind of ladder, this, right, this isn't rookie ball right now. This is, you know, 
baseball. This is, you know, we're preparing to play in the major and that's how we approach it. That's awesome, man. I, I really enjoyed watching Jason play uh, in the minor leagues. He, he's, I think maybe one of the more athletic, like just more of the better general athletes that I've seen in, in minor league baseball, the way he moves at shortstop uh, at the plate. And I know he's, he's started to switch it a little bit now. So watching Jason's been a lot of fun, especially down there at high A where there's a lot of other talent. So um, continue to look forward to watching you guys this year. Um, especially some of those, some of those guys that like, like we talked about between yourself and Nate and Jason's and Nick Lofton's down there playing now, Suley Matias. I don't want to cut you off, but there's just so many, there's so many guys on this team. I mean, Jimmy Govern has an entire fan base at this stadium now because he plays third base and it's Tyler Gentry, Eric Cole, John Rave, Suley Matias. I mean, this team, in opinion, this is a really good ball club. And showing up, I mean, you got the catchers, Logan Porter, William. You've got Paul Mondesi. You've got, you've got Michael Mack. You've got all these dudes that – and I'm sure that I forgot somebody. Somebody that I forgot. Sorry. But it's just a really good team to show up with and work with every single day. Uh, it's an ex- and, again, there's too many names to mention, but it's it's a really fun environment to show up to every day. So I, before we move on to Northwest Arkansas, I do have to ask, because you got your first two career stolen bases in professional baseball, when we first interviewed you, that was something that you said you were working on before the 20 season. Uh, <laughs> you talk about how slow you were. It was really funny. It's, I still go back and crack up about that. Um, you sent me a picture that you were holding second base uh, after the game, which was hilarious. But I have to ask, how did those two stolen bases yeah. come about? Was it a really – like a pitcher with like the slowest delivery of all time? Did you just guess and go? Like what happened here? Yeah, so – this is like what I was talking about earlier with how hard we work at at base running. Another thing that we work really hard on is watching the runner that's in front of you when you're on first base if there's a guy on second. And because I've worked on that and learned how to do it, I did that successfully twice in a game, and I was the backside of, of a double steal two times. So I don't mean to brag, but there was not a throw to second base either time that I stole my base. So they were both – I've never successfully slid into second on a stolen base. Both of them have been standing up. But, yes, I do have two. So it's just very exciting. Oh, yeah. And those are those are stolen bases nonetheless on the back of the baseball card. It does not matter right. how, it, how it happens. It's a stolen base. Nowhere on there does it specify backside stolen base, straight steal, whatever. I mean, a, a stolen base is a stolen base. So I'll have those two for the rest of my life. There you go. All right, we'll move on to the Double A Club, Northwest Arkansas. Here, uh, I believe they took five, or they took four out of six, I believe, against Tulsa. Uh, Alex, what are some of your thoughts on this club here? Uh, MJ Melendez the other night hit a home run that was loud. The stream for Double A wasn't working, so I didn't actually get to watch them the last couple of days, but. Uh, somebody uh, somebody posted a video on Twitter, and that Melendez home run was loud, man. And I was kind of thinking to myself, I was like, okay, so, you know, just me being a complete dork and just kind of thinking about things I think about, you know, Melendez tied Vinny for the lead, for the minors lead and home runs. Let's see what Vinny, how he responds today. And, of course, first at bat today, or maybe it was second at bat today, 
planted a ball in the river. So, um, but Melendez is fun to watch down there when the minor league stream decides to work. Nick Prado had a couple of really big games. I think his batting average is over 230 now, but his all the peripheral numbers are in great shape. Brewer Hicklin has been outstanding. Brewer Hicklin has all kinds of tools. He actually reminds me a lot of Nate Eaton. We talk about a college kid who maybe if, if you know you want to get specific is a little too old for the level in terms of like how we gauge prospects, but college kid, a little bit older for the level, really tooled up though and has a chance to be somewhat of a slow burn and make a big league debut and help out at the big league level. So Brewer Hicklin had a really good week. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. Is, is, you know, kind of battling his first year at, at really that full season minor league baseball. Uh, Adalberto Mondesi got down there for a rehab assignment, hit a ball 430 feet today. It was good to see him healthy. Rudy Martin's a guy I want to talk about for a minute because Rudy Martin, before 2019, so go all the way back to 2018, is a guy we talk about in, in some kind of depth here at the site because – he is absolutely maybe the fastest guy in the system. I mean, he can absolutely fly. And up until 2019, I mean, everywhere he went, he hit. I'm talking about a WRC plus at A ball, and his first go around A ball was 125. Um, at high A, which was Wilmington at the time, was 106. So he was consistently an above average hitter, no matter where he went. Um, and in 2019, he dealt with some injuries, um, didn't hit as well as maybe you would expect. And then we didn't have a 2020 minor league season. So now he's appears to be healthy again. He hit a grand slam the other night. He's controlling the strike zone. He is absolutely crushing baseballs. His plate discipline still not where you want it. He actually, at the plate, he still reminds me a lot of Nick Heath, just in terms of, A, being able to fly. B, he takes a, a fair amount of walks for not having a ton of power. And then C, you know, the bats and ball skills aren't great, but they're fine. It's just the plate discipline's a little maybe swing happy. So um, I am really happy for him. Just being healthy and playing baseball again is really cool to see uh, there for Rudy Martin. Uh, that's on the offensive side of things. Yeah, for sure. Rudy Martin, I love early season stats because they're just, they're incredibly hilarious because they can swing in either direction with one one good game or one bad game. But he has a 227 ISO, 226 Witterance created plus, and a 615 Babbitt. That's hilarious. Uh, but to see a guy like that, he said, you know, 25, been in system for a while, ridiculously tooled up. You know, he's a dude that can kind of find a way, like, in a, in a Nick Heath type role as, you know, a fourth outfielder or something like that. He's, he's the type, again, just the type of dude that the Royals like having in their system. Uh, but I do, I was really impressed with what I've seen from Nick Prado early. 45 plate appearances, he's walking a fifth of his plate appearances at this point. He has a higher walk rate than strikeout rate, which is incredibly encouraging early on, 878 OPS. Hitting the ball pretty solid, the results just aren't there, but all his peripheral numbers are, are really showing up and hit in really good favor. Now, Alex, this is a conversation that we you mentioned, you teased a little bit on Twitter, but we really need to have a serious conversation about Alec Marsh. Uh, he is absolutely carving dudes up in the Texas League right now. It's it's insane what he's doing, just bullying people. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a pitching prospect or really just a prospect in general make strides like Alec Marsh has made. So in 2019, Alec Marsh is drafted in the second round. 
and he goes from he pitched in rookie ball and he was really good um ten and a half strikeouts per nine right around a walk per nine um I think he's in the pioneer league so the ball flies a little bit there but whatever but his ERA was 405 he got hit or he got hit a little bit I mean you know he is I, he's striking out over 50 percent of the hitters he faces at double a he's walking some but he's keeping the ball in the park as well he only gave up four he only allowed four total base runners in his start this week and they were all in concession so you had um I think a walk a pair of singles and a home run that ended up he allowed four runs but he also had 11 strikeouts in six innings, I believe, and looked really, really good in the process. So, man, Coar looks really good. And, and by the way, when I said perhaps the best pitching prospect in the organization, I don't include typically in prospects guys who have already made their big league debut. So Daniel Lynch would have been out of that conversation. And I also like – in thinking about prospects, Jackson Coar is still a prospect. Um, but I typically think of Jackson Coar like as an asset to the big league club. So if we're talking about double A down, so Alec Marsh, Jonathan Bolin, Austin Cox when he's when he's back in pitching, um, guys that are Ace Lacey, Zach Hockey, guys that are below triple A, um, he might be the best of the best. And if you want to include a Jackson Coar, then I would probably still take Coar, and I'd probably still take Lacey long term. But Lacey right now is has you know walk has maybe not a walks issue, but has walked a lot of guys. So um, Alec Marsh is certainly pitching the best of all these guys, and you know running the ball up to ninety seven ninety eight with his breaking balls and a new changeup that is better than any changeup I've seen him throw before. Is he's a legitimately probably a top one hundred prospect at midseason. And if the Royals wanted to put him in the bullpen at the end of the year, it wouldn't surprise me at all because his stuff will absolutely play in the big leagues for an inning or two. Yeah, absolutely. And just, I mean, the peripheral numbers are really showing up in his favor too. A 327 ERA, but a 252 FIP and 221 XFIP. So he's doing all the right things 16 Ks per nine, 50%, you know, K rate. It, it's absurd. Batting average against is 086, it, 0.64 whip. It's two starts, but it's two of the more dominant starts in all of professional baseball, like at least in the minors, minor league, across any organization. He's, it's been ridiculous what he's, he's put up. Video, just to keep you in the conversation here, have you faced Alec Marsh at all in instructs, uh, extended camp, anything like that? And what have, what have you seen from him, if anything? Uh, yes, I've faced him twice. And this isn't going to help you guys out that much, but he's really good. <laughs> I mean, good fastball, good command on everything. The changeup is deadly. I mean, the guy's got everything you need, and he's, he looks like it. So that's pretty much all you can ask. Sorry, I don't have much more on that, but he's really good. <laughs> it's, con it's confirmation bias for us, so that does actually help us, and yep. it works in our favor. Yep, really good player. So, really quick, this may be like an arbitrary question, but, you know, we, we talk about hitters being comfortable or uncomfortable in the box against a guy. There's – so, like, Daniel Lynch goes out there in his big league debut, and hitters are kind of on his fastball, and that's something Lynch will go back to AAA, adjust a little bit. He'll come back up. He'll be fine. But when you talk about, like, deception and being comfortable against the fastball in the box, it doesn't look to me like hitters – 
can pick up what Marsh is throwing. So it's one thing to have good stuff. But if you have good stuff, it's easy to see. Sometimes it doesn't play up to as good as the stuff is. It doesn't look to me like it's very easy to pick up stuff just based on hitters' reactions. Is there, is there something to that? I just think the guy knows what he's doing. And when a guy knows what he's doing that, that efficiently, it makes it tough at the plate because you have no idea what to even sit on. So I think that would be my best answer there is that the guy just knows what he's doing. And because of that, it puts hitters on their heels and they can never really get on the offensive. That makes sense. That's, and, and that's, the, that's a huge piece of having four pitches, and that's with Marsh and his developing changeup is going to be really big for him, especially with neutralizing left-handed hitters as he, as he moves to the higher uh, ranks of, the, of, of minor league baseball. And um, you mentioned his changeup there. We saw a changeup they threw in his first start that was – absolutely filthy i hadn't seen that from him so to hear that his changeup is doing well and to hear you say that his changeup is doing well is a really good sign for his development uh, moving on round really quick this- oh, Joel, really quick i want to make a note um before we move off of double a they went two and four this week they're on oh, a four man. game losing streak no 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 worries just want to make sure we get that right there so they're on a four game losing streak they went two and four against tulsa which makes them five and six on the season uh, for Northwest Arkansas. Whoops. This is great radio. Good, good stuff, Joel. Appreciate that, man. Um, all right, moving on to AAA. I believe, looking at this, I believe they, they went four and two or five and one this week. I, it's hard to tell, but uh, I haven't, work has been ridiculous, guys. I, I apologize. I'm flying by the seat of my pants on this, so I, I'm sorry that uh, your host is really doing a terrible job here. But they played the Columbus Clippers. Jackson Coar was ridiculous in his start on uh, Saturday. Alex, what, uh, Edward Olivares is playing like a dude that might just see some big league time here soon. Alex, what else have you seen? Yeah, you. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Edward Olivares is currently on his way to Kansas City. Uh, Omaha has an off day tomorrow. Kansas City has an off day tomorrow. Uh, to say that it would make sense to pull Edward Olivares at this point is an understatement. Uh, I don't know who he would replace, like unless they're going to move O'Hearn off, or I, I really don't know what the what the compromise is there because the guys they're running out there on a daily basis are are typically guys you want to see get everyday time. So if the plan is to put Ole in right field and let Jorge Soler DH full time, it would have my approval. I don't know what the plan is there, but he's hitting the ball so well that it just it wouldn't surprise me if they move anything. Um, Omaha this week went four and two. Most of that on the back of Edward Olivares and and a couple other guys carrying the offense. So, uh, Mabrus Valorio is another guy who I think he had three hits in a game. He's looked really good. Lucius Fox is back and hitting the ball well. So, um, good to see the offense heating up a bit in Omaha. Kyle Isbell at the moment hitting three oh eight. So they have a interesting lineup in terms of guys like Anderson Miller. Anderson Miller is twenty seven. Has never been on a 40-man roster before, but he's got a 150 WRC plus. He's hitting 303 with a – his ISO is over 300 at the moment. So a few guys that have stood out so far for the Omaha offense carrying a team to four and two, but I wouldn't be surprised if that also means that there's a few of those guys that won't be around too long as the big league club continues to struggle a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just for those that haven't seen, Edward Olivares, I'm going to call this – uh, stats you're a flat thousand OPS. 
166 way to runs created plus hitting 341 for those that like batting average he he's been awesome for for this team that you know yeah, a guy that again has has played his way into deserving big league time at least at this point Kyle Isbell's a dude that's gonna gonna do the same thing uh, I do want to talk about Jackson Kolar specifically here he's been insane the last couple of starts uh, one one five ERA 192 FIP. Uh, striking out 35.5%, only walking walking less than 10%, so he's having a pretty solid year in that regard. Uh, I, How much longer until we, we see him either in the bullpen or they just let him get a couple of starts and see what happens? Oh, it can't be long. Um, we, I said before the year that I thought it would take Daniel Lynch four starts, and I think that makes some sense for Kowar. Get a fourth start, and if he's as dominant in his fourth start as he has been, you know, Wade Davis blew the game in the ninth inning today. The, the, the big league pitching staff has been decimated as, as the starters have struggled to get depth out of the rotation. Um, I, I, I don't know who he replaces specifically. Um, if it's Davis, if it's Holland, if it's, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to speculate on who would be gone. But I don't think they're going to let Jackson Kowar pitch like this for too long. It, it really, it kind of reminds me of Eric Hosmer. Back in 2011, everybody knew that Hosmer was going to start in Omaha. Everybody knew he was going to hit well and be up in 2011. Same story with Kowar, right? We knew he was going to Omaha. We knew we know he's going to be up sometime this year. We also thought maybe it might take a little bit for him to adjust and then maybe be up in July, August there for a potential run, uh, depending on how the Royals are competing. If he keeps pitching the way he's pitching, it's going to be a lot like Hosmer where he's hitting the ball so well hitting over 400 he was when they called him up that, you know, you leave him down there for four starts and he just forces your hand because he's been so good. Um, I think that's probably where Coar's at at the moment is just another dominant start away. Um, I don't expect him to be called up yet, but if they wanted to do a package deal with him and Olivares, bring them up, shove them into the rotation, shove them in the bullpen, whatever it looks like, um, I wouldn't be surprised, but I would also bet money that he's got at least one more start down there if not a second, just kind of a just kind of a prove it start, and then if he's as good as he has been, they'll get him up there pretty quick. For sure, and bringing Vinny back in, similar kind of question about Alec Marsh regarding Jackson Coward. You faced him. What was that at bat like? Is you know, did you see the change up? Anything like that? Pitchers, I've never never been in the box against him. Okay, that's probably lucky on your part because that change up, I would I would hate for you to have to see that thing in the batter's box because I've. I've really never seen a changeup like his. Like, I've seen changeups better than his. I don't want to say it's the best changeup I've ever seen. But I was watching his grip the other night as he's throwing that pitch. And it really looks to me like he doesn't – like, the, the grip between his fastball and his changeup are really similar. And he throws the changeup so hard that you don't get the big loopy swings of guys way out front. There, it's, it's, the timing isn't even the worst part of it. It dives so far that it's almost like guys are almost on time and still have no prayer of hitting it at times because it's so far away from where they thought the fastball was going to be. Um, he gets some ridiculous swings on that pitch. So, uh, Vinny, I'm glad you were spared the expense <laughs> of having to see that pitch live. All right, Vinny. Well, now while we have you for a little bit longer, don't want to take up too much more of your time. You know, you enjoy tonight and your off day tomorrow, but – I do want to ask about the minor league season to this point. You're playing six games in a row against teams Tuesday through Sunday. 
usually it's, you know, in college you're used to maybe, you know, a weekday game or a three-game series, you know, early on, you know, four or five-game series maybe in rookie ball. You're playing the team for a full week. Is it weird? Is it, like, does it get a little maybe more comfortable by game three or four because you've seen some of the same pitchers for a few times? What's it been like early on to have that six-game series against guys? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit weird, but I think for a lot of us, we're only in our first or second real season of professional baseball, so we don't really know anything else. So, I mean, like, for me, I know that the longest stretch we had in Burlington was 22 straight games, and I think it was like seven different series we played in that span. Um, So, I mean, you're seeing a bunch of different teams, and I know that we – I think we play every team 20 times this year, but it's over – or. 24, 24 times. Um, so, but yeah, the week is a little bit weird because, you know, I'm seeing the same guys at first base every day. I'm almost creating friendships at first base because guys are over there or whatever. You get to know the catcher real well because you're in the box with the same guy the, the whole time. And you kind of see um, everything. You see the entire bullpen. I mean, most series you can go without seeing an entire bullpen. But, I mean, this thing – these series you're seeing pretty much every guy at least twice. So from a hitter's perspective, I don't know if that necessarily makes it easier, but you, you do get a feel of how certain pitchers do things in more of a sense than you normally would. Cause normally you might just see a guy once um, a specialty guy, especially you might just see him once, but now you're definitely going to see a guy twice. So something to work on, you have something to look back to when you face him the next time of how he attacked you, how, you know, how different teams try to attack you. You get to see that more, you know, now we're doing, seeing it on a daily basis instead of a weekly basis because you might see the team the next week, but you're only playing them three times, so you're only going to get certain guys. So, you know, that's kind of how it's been so far is you just try to get a feel. And I'm sure for pitchers it's the same way, whether that's easier or harder, you get to know the hitters better so you know how to attack them. Um, and that's pretty much how it's going. You got anything, Alex? Nope. Cool. All right, one more question for you. You got a true off day tomorrow. You don't. We talked about here. You don't have practice or anything. You don't even have to go to the, the yard. How are you going to spend an off day? Well, there's a bunch of different options. I have video games. Might you know? Might lock in on the show a little bit. There's golf. I might go see what I can shoot in a round of 18 holes. And other than that. I have a grill, so I'll be grilling out something at some point tomorrow. I'm excited for that. But other than that, I'm really just going to relax because, you know, we just talked about the six-game series. It is six straight days of mentally just getting after it every day. And when you know you have that off day, you can get after it a little bit more during, you know, during that series. So I think guys are just going to relax and get ready for our – we've got a two-week road trip coming up, so I think guys are just going to get ready for that. Um, but really we're just going to relax and hang out, do our thing and then show up ready to go on Tuesday. What do you shoot on the golf course usually? Well, I just started playing when, when the pandemic hit last year, it was really the only thing we could do. So I learned how to play golf consistently. I'm in the mid to upper nineties, uh, of a legitimate score, which I feel pretty good about that. I can hit a drive a long way, but it just, I have no idea where it's going. So I'm good at, I'm, I'm really good at chipping and putting. So if I can get close to the green, I have putting in my blood. I think we've talked about this before. My dad is a national champion putter. So, oh, so if I can just get close to the green, I'm set. But 
I have an issue getting close to the green. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I have the opposite problem. I can drive it right down the middle of the fairway, but inside about a hundred yards, I'm screwed. Like <laughs> <laughs> We, we might need to boot up. We might need to boot up the show tomorrow. That might that yeah. might be what I do when I get off work. I might, might uh, see if you're uh, online. Yeah, that might be the opposite problem that every other American has. I don't even know if I believe you. Like I don't. I don't think that anybody is actually good at putting. Like I don't think that's a real thing. <laughs> I've never played with anyone who I thought, oh, that guy's good at putting. Um, I have a general rule that if you can get it within putter's length, like we're not. I don't let. Me and my buddies, when we play golf, don't allow each other to finish putts because it's not worth the embarrassment of missing a putt within two feet. So if you can get anywhere close to the green, pick it up, let's roll, because that's not even the fun part of golf. The fun part is, like you said, hitting the ball as hard as you can and then trying to find it later on. The, the fun part of golf is not the cute walking around the green trying to figure out how to, how to read a green because that is that reading a green is a joke. I don't actually think – I don't read it. I don't read greens. When they, no, I don't think anybody can. I think that's all lies. And I think the best scam artist wins. So maybe maybe your dad is just the best liar when it comes to putting. I really <laughs> I don't think putting's real. Now, Alex, I agree with your take to a certain extent. But I think if you are within five to seven feet and you have a birdie putt, you have to earn that birdie. You have to knock down that putt. If you're, you did. If you're, you earned if it by getting dog, close to the first No, 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 no. You, you, don't get the, you don't get the benefit of the doubt on that. You have to earn your birdie. If you're a double bogey like I am, like, yeah, I'll pick up and we'll move on because I already suck. But if you have the opportunity to birdie or par and you're a very average golfer, like a, aggressively average golfers, the three of us are, you got to earn that putt. No, here's so if you can get within five feet of the pin to the point where you have a birdie putt, you have already earned the birdie. You you did the hard part. You got it within five feet of the pin within a stroke of a birdie. Like that that in and of itself is an accomplishment and should be rewarded with a pickup on the birdie putt. <laughs> I might lose sleep if I pick up a birdie putt. I gotta knock it in so I know so I know that I made it. I don't want to have any doubt when I go to bed at night that I at least made a birdie. Mm. But then, yeah, the problem is missing. That's the yeah, that's a huge issue. Been there a lot of times. I would lose I would lose more sleep missing a two foot birdie putt <laughs> than I would not putting it. I mean, that's that's fair, but yeah, you still got to earn the putt at least. All right. So we've already asked you the baseball history question now that this is your you know, second true time on the podcast. So I'll do another baseball history question in some fashion. If you could step in the box and face one pitcher all time, who would it be? Well, I mean, now I think it's Jackson Coar because I want to see the changeup, but that's not my real answer. I'm just saying that um, any pitcher all time. There was a side armor, uh, Mike Myers who I always thought it would be terrifying to face, but then I saw David Ortiz take him 400 feet right center field deep. So I've always wanted to see that big of a sidearm guy uh, in the box, even though, I mean, who knows what would happen. But I think my answer is Mike Myers, sidearm pitcher who played for the Red Sox and the Yankees and maybe a few other teams along the way. And I know that that's an unbelievably outside-the-box answer, but I'm, that's what I'm rolling with. I, appreciate I, say, I can guarantee that's the first time we've gotten that answer on the podcast, and I can guarantee it would be the last time. <laughs> but, I mean, that, that's a lefty that's throwing sidearm behind you. 
like I just want to see it. Yeah, I didn't say I want. I, I didn't say I could hit it. I'm just saying I just. <laughs> yeah, uh, Alex, who would you face? I, I've, I've talked about Mariano Rivera before, just because, like, I don't know that there's ever been another pitcher in baseball as dominant as him that would tell the hitter what was coming, and they and, and not just like for a couple of years, right, where he had a great run. This is for an entire career. Here's the cutter. Like he told Salvi in the All-Star game in 2012, or not 2012, whatever year that was, his last All-Star game. He's like, all cutters, you pick the side of the plate. They knew it was coming and had no shot. So I, w- I would love to see what that pitch looks like. Um, but I think if, if we're going to go with a different answer this time around, Tim Wakefield, because I can't wrap my mind around the idea of a knuckleball moving so much. Like, I've faced guys that have thrown knuckleballs, but we're talking about high school kids that throw like a little baby knuckleball. I, I, I would love to watch a Tim Wakefield knuckleball dance. I think there's something to be said for like an R.A. Dickey knuckleball, because he threw his like 82. Like Tim Wakefield yeah. was sitting in the low set. Like Tim Wakefield was, or uh, R.A. Dickey was on like a hard knuckleball that would be of 82 to 84 with that dancing. Like that's wild. Yeah, I don't have to screw that at all. Yeah, I would probably say it's kind of the same thing as my baseball history answer, but I would want to face Satchel Paige or just stand in the box because all the stories were, I mean, it's upper 90s with ridiculous control of every single pitch. I I would just want to see what that looks like because there's not much video of it anyway. I I think that would be be so cool. Or like stand and face like Walter Johnson to see like how fast it actually was. Bob Feller, like any of the dudes that legendarily threw really hard for that era, how hard actually was it? Like I think that would be, that would be fascinating for me. Yeah, that's fair too. All right. Well, I think that that's it for this episode. Vinny, thank you for joining us uh, as always. And hopefully we'll get you on here sometime soon. Get some of your roommates next time. We'll, we'll get them on and have them come on and shoot the shit with us for a little while. That's right. That's right. No doubt. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Be sure to follow us at Royals Farm. Got you locked in with you know our minor league minutes every morning, our roll call whenever uh, starting pitchers are announced. And be sure to follow the, the page. Alex posts uh, – all different types of videos and clips throughout the day if you're not able to tune into the minor league game. So sure follow us there and we'll see talk Wait, to you all. Joel, next don't month. hang up. All right. Joel, don't don't cut it. Vinny, I forgot to ask you, dog. I'm sorry. Vinny Pasquin Bino. Good nickname, bad nickname. I'm in for any nickname. Um so anything you give me I'll take, I'll wear. So I like it. Uh okay. if anytime you're compared anytime you're compared to Babe Ruth You'll take it no matter what. So. <laughs> I totally forgot to ask you. I was, I, was, I was meaning to make sure that was okay. Get it cleared up before you left. Yeah. Hey, do what you need. I approved. All right. Well, we're rolling with Vinny Pasquin Bino now. That, that's, that's forever a thing here. Like I said, we'll talk to you all next Monday. Take care.